0: now it's time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad and in studio live. Playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad. The star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop? How you doing?
1: Well, first, I would like to say I figured out the problem with the earphones. I just have to listen on one side. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a show we sometimes have the production meeting on the air, despite all advice to the contrary. <laughs> this is a show we also talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out?
1: I have three shout-outs. Shout-out inflation. First, I want to shout-out or federal district judge for the Arizona district, Rosemary Marquez, who has found that four folks who were charged with abetting illegal immigrants and therefore committing a crime because they were putting food and water out so people wouldn't starve and die of dehydration. they were. She ruled that they were legitimately exercising a religious belief and therefore put down the convictions of them for the crime with which they were charged, although that's something I want to talk about a little later because the implication of that could be kind of dangerous. Second, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, has apologized, apologized to the world and apologized to minorities, apologized to non-Caucasians for decades and maybe even centuries, but certainly decades of racism in the Church of England. And last, I want to shout out locally for Christine and David Vernier, who have given $4.5 bucks to Portland State University to help build a new science building.
0: They're actually, they've been friends of the show and old Bus Project supporters, David Vernier. It's just Vernier. You don't have to give a French pronunciation. Dave Vernier used to be on the Bus Project board back in the day. Uh, also, North also,
1: just want to acknowledge the passing of Manny Rose, Rabbi Manny Rose, who was a fixture in, or, in Oregon religion and political circles for many yeah, years. Yeah, Dad, when's
0: his, when's his memorial service?
1: I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I don't know if the date has even been set.
0: Well, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Department of Justice and Bill Barr, the cover-up general? Do you want to start with coronavirus? Do you want to start with election news? Where do you want to start?
1: I want to start with the first, but before we start at all, I just want to remind... You sort of started already. I want to remind parents, if your kids haven't been vaccinated, you got till Monday, because if they haven't been vaccinated by Monday, you got to keep them home.
0: Vaccinated for what, coronavirus? No. Which thing? All the stuff?
1: Yeah, vaccinations—the vaccinations that are required. They don't have the coronavirus.
0: What? Measles, mumps. What are we talking? Yeah,
1: measles, mumps. All right. Chickenpox.
0: There is no, there is no coronavirus vaccine. There is no immunization not yet. So there hasn't yet been a bot-driven campaign to tell you not to take that vaccine. Right. Okay.
1: But, well, but while, but while we're talking about it, doesn't exist. The, the coronavirus is is going up. Deaths are going up. Apparently, because there was some cooking of the books, the number of cases had been significantly underreported. well into four figures now for deaths. The Hong Kong Director of Public Health, Chair of Public Health in Hong Kong, Gabriel Leong, predicts that if we don't catch it quick, it could affect as many as 60% of the world and if there were just a 1% death rate affecting 60% of the world it would be one of the most massive die-offs of all time so china china is uh, telling everybody in, in the big in the wuhan province surrounding wuhan you have to stay home kids are not going to go to school until march so it's, it's this has it's, been this a time.
0: and this has been a major part now of the story is the Chinese government's reaction. And if you have a closed society, uh, if you have a society that the uh, one-party system, the one-party structure tries to keep hold of, uh, not by limiting the marketplace of ideas, by limiting critique, by limiting concern, and we now know the doctor, not patient zero, but identifier zero, who sent a WeChat message to a group of medical school uh, classmates and said, "Hey, be careful about this virus. Nobody's talking about that seems to be going around hospitals. And then afterwards was arrested and detained, and afterwards uh, died of the virus, now is a is a fallen martyr, is now a hero. But in the China government's efforts to quell awareness, to quell concern, to make anybody can worry that there was any problem in China, that anything problematic could be happening in the country, that it almost certainly exacerbated the virus, exacerbated the disease, because they did not put protective measures early enough, and people weren't warned early enough. It's a disadvantage of a closed society.
1: And they have now fired at least three provincial leaders, trying to fix blame upon them to turn the public ire away from the folks at the very top.
0: Well, Dad, House Judiciary Committee says that Bill Barr has agreed to testify. In seven
1: weeks. Sent uh, (laughs)
0: Attorney General Bill Barr a letter confirming he will testify before the panel on March 31st. Letter comes after Donald Trump acknowledged in a tweet that Barr had personally overruled the career prosecutors in lowering sentencing recommendations for his associate, Roger Stone. Democrats in Congress have demanded the investigation Uh, for political interference. Democrats on the committee wrote they plan to address a, quote, pattern of conduct in legal matters relating to the president that raise significant concerns, end quote. To add the removal of former U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, Jesse Liu, who oversaw the prosecutions of Trump associate Roger Stone, Michael Flynn, and Paul Manafort, the intake process, Barr said he has established Giuliani to send the Justice Department information he has gathered about the Bidens in Ukraine and the decision to overrule prosecutors in the Stone case, Democrats want to investigate all three of those instances of the President and the Attorney General messing with justice.
1: And we should add to that the firing of Sondland and the firing of... Colonel Vinman. and the fact that four Republican senators urged... DDT not to fire Sondland but put all this together this needs to be on the front page every day every day of every newspaper on the lead story and every news program for the next many days of what the risk is happening because one of the one of the big, Marx, one of the big things that you can tell when a country is truly becoming authoritarian is when the justice system ceases to be a justice system and instead becomes an arm of the government to go after folks they don't like and to reward folks that they do like irregardless of whether there has been wrongdoing or not. This, this is just one of the hallmarks, is one, one of the things that happens early on, and it's happening in this country now, and those Republican senators who voted against removing this president should just be quivering for what they are doing to democracy.
0: The now prominent uh, human rights and democracy watchers said that United States citizens should be now marching in the streets, that this is the time that if we are just shopping for Ikea furniture and binge-watching television, that uh, it makes me think of Ben Fain. Ben Fain, who was mild-mannered, retired bus driver who became the bus driver for the bus project because his nephew was a volunteer on the project, and ended up becoming more politically engaged and ended up leading the most consistent peace vigil in Washington County, just on the side of a busy road there, that more and more people joined holding candles and signs uh, urging peace in the Middle East, that we need more Ben Fanes, we need more people who are uh, holding up candles or signs or sounding alarms about the state of democracy. It is uh, more than a little bit concerning. Uh, Dad, I do want to take one quibble, though, Uh, Irrespective, I would accept. Regardless, I would accept. Irregardless, I will reject.
1: Did I say irregardless? You did. (laughs) Excuse me. It's all right.
0: (laughs) My eyes were literally peeled. No, my eyes were not (laughs) literally peeled to anything. Uh, Nor my eyes literally glued to anything.
1: Irregardless is actually a double negative, isn't it?
0: I just, yeah, I just think I think it's people here, irrespective here, regardless, and they like the both, so they kind of combine them. It's a common thing to do, and most people in polite company wouldn't correct anybody, but I just did, and I mildly apologize for it, but I feel also virtuous.
1: I, I think we should talk next because it's directly relevant to something that absolutely has to happen in November, if we are really going to save our country, going down the authoritarian tube. The election.
0: All right. Well, let's do then election news. It is time for election news. Go ahead, Pop.
1: (laughs) New Hampshire. Everybody's saying, "Well, now everything's been decided." Now I want to remind everybody where we actually are. In New Hampshire,
0: Pete. To get to get just to give a little context. Right now, there is. some sense, at least the sense of Bernie from Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg, they'd like to say it's a two-candidate race. Right. Uh, Amy Klobuchar would like to say, well, no, it's a three-candidate race because I did better. I got like twenty instead of like seven, you know. So it's like a three-candidate race because I surprised everybody in New Hampshire, uh, and so and so now you, in that context, you're about to say, yes,
1: we want to remember that out of New Hampshire, Bernie got nine delegates. These are the only votes that count. These are the folks who get to vote in Milwaukee. Okay,
0: Bernie Sanders got nine. That's got more nine. than eight. That's more than seven. It's more than six. It's more you than you five. Nine. More than four.
1: And Pete got nine.
0: Nine delegates more than And Amy eight. got
1: six. Six. Which means that the count right this minute is that Pete has
0: 22. 22 for Buttigieg. Bernie has 21. 21 for Sanders. Elizabeth Warren has eight. Eight. For Warren, Amy Klobuchar has seven. Seven for Klobuchar, and Joe Biden has six. Joe Biden has six. Well, that seems decisive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now we should 22 also. Twenty-two and twenty-one. That's also, clearly bigger than eight, should, seven, and six. Also, we should be reminded that it takes one thousand nine hundred and ninety-one.
0: Oh. oh, that's not as many. That's a lot more now now 21 and 22 happens. doesn't seem like as much.
1: No, it doesn't seem like so much. Oh. And now let's talk about Nevada's going to be next week. Nevada has, I believe, 40 delegates actually elected. So the candidates are going to split up the 40. I will predict that none of the four who have delegates now are going to get a majority of the delegates in Nevada. And the following, uh, well, I guess just four days later, three days later, South Carolina will elect, I believe, 50 delegates, where although Biden may have really slipped, Biden is almost certainly going to do much better than he has been doing, which means that, again, nobody is going to get half of those delegates, which means that when that is over, getting ready for Super Tuesday, I predict... That the most delegates anybody will have is fifty. That's five zero. Reminder.
0: That's as many states as there are.
1: That's right, as many states as there are, five zero, and they need one thousand nine hundred. That's how many they need, or that's how many there are. That's how many they need.
0: Oh dear, that's a lot. That's a lot. They got a long way to go. (laughs) That's a whole. That means they would still need one thousand nine hundred and forty-one.
1: Your math is very good this Mm -hmm. morning. No, if you if
0: anybody out there needs simple arithmetic, I'm your guy. Sometimes, like sometimes, I will do the simple arithmetic you need. If you don't want to have to engage in the hassle of taking out your own telephone, opening the calculator app, on occasion, I can be your simple arithmetic aid. So when
1: when things are really going to start to be significant. Irrespective, unrespective, what are is it? Is it we? Irrespective, okay? irrespective or just or regardless? Okay? Irrespective
0: regardless, or regard. And I and, not, and I'm cool with paying, either one of them. Irrespective
1: of which one you prefer. Paying no attention to the media hype, which is what Iowa gets and what New Hampshire gets and what Nevada will get and what South Carolina gets on the third of March, which is four weeks from day before yesterday, will be Super Tuesday. And then we will really see some stuff happening because it'll be close to a 1,000 delegates yep. get chosen that day. 400-some in California alone, 200-some in Texas alone. And I would predict that Bloomberg will then will find out how successful Bloomberg has been. Because and what a half been, a billion
0: dollars can pay for.
1: He's been advertising in those states a whole He's lot. been advertising in this state. I know he has, which is... Uh, insane because we, I, I don't know, it's pretty persuasive <laughs> pretty good ads we we yeah. bring up the we, pro, pro, my guess is it is because he's advertising on national shows and there's no significant discount for dropping Oregon off so by the way, not? we're going
0: to be interviewing Mingus Maps today, candidate for Portland City Council uh, we are going to be engaging uh, we just are now setting up our interview with Jamie McCloud Skinner Uh, A big piece of political news, of course, that Dad and I will be talking about is Jennifer Williamson uh, exiting the Secretary of State's race. But stay tuned for that. That'll happen at 8.15, but we'll be getting through the election news. You're listening to News of My Dad. I'm Jefferson Smith. That is my dad. And while we're talking about the national election, we can probably mention that Troy Price,
1: the chair of the... Iowa.
0: He has resigned.
1: He Effective Saturday.
0: He's gone to work for an app-making firm. Is that where he's going? No, I can't imagine that's <laughs> what he's doing.
1: <laughs> and, and we had three more dropouts from the Democratic side. Bennett Yang and Duval oh, Patrick. Oh, by the way, uh, Tom, Tom, and Tom out. Tom
0: Perez has said he will absolutely not consider resigning in the aftermath of Iowa. Oh, by the way, you want to hear? You want to? Hear, you, want, you want to break some news? Let's break some news. Okay,
1: but just let me uh, remind that uh, the d- dropouts. Joe Walsh has dropped. Oh no, this out is still on in Iowa. Oh, I'm okay. still on Iowa. Iowa, go for it.
0: Uh, so it turns out. So I have a friend who works with the Democratic National Committee, and so everybody's like, "Oh, Democratic National Committee, this stupid thing with Iowa and the app." These are three totally different things. Iowa's one thing. The app was one thing. Democratic National Committee, another thing. These are three totally different things. They'd all walk together in like some star chamber, some, I don't know, uh, conspiratorial tinfoil hat dawning chamber. They uh, So it turns out that the Democratic National Committee, the tech people of the Democratic National Committee, urged Iowa not to use the app. They said, yeah, you, it's not ready. You, you shouldn't use this thing. And but then afterwards they didn't want to come out and pile on and like whack Iowa for using it afterwards, so they stayed mum in the press just because you know they don't want to reduce any kind. And the big story, the bigger story that should have been the biggest story coming out of the whole thing was what, big what was actually. Flogging the phone lines. What actually was blocking the reporting was Republican trolls who were calling in yep. just to flood the phone lines. Yep. But then they use thanks to uh, thanks to bots, thanks to yes, folks on the far left who are spinning up some of the same arguments from the bots and anti-DNC, etc. Then they you know end up making it seem like it's I don't know some nefarious plot, which was not a nefarious plot. It was just it was the shadow shadow didn't have its together. No, they never say. <laughs> but I just think it's funny and interesting that the DNC also thought, I don't know if I'd use that app. Now, I thought that's interesting. It's a little bit of breaking news right here on X Ray. Now, before we leave the election news, here, the, the outer, we,
1: we, when we get down to state and local later on, there's some state and local news to talk about, election news. But I want to mention Joe Arpaio. Now, this is I'm not important, I'm sure. But I keep getting emails from Joe Arpaio. And I received two emails from Are you Midas leaving this the morning. presidential campaign?
0: What? You're leaving the presidential campaign? Yes, I'm going to Well, let's, stay, let's stick with the presidential campaign for a second.
1: O- okay, well, I, what do you have more? Are you going to go
0: back to the presidential campaign? Are you done with the presidential campaign? I was campaign? done with the presidential but if you have something more... I'm totally not it. done. I'm totally not okay, done with go the presidential for it. campaign. The question I have, now there will be... Uh, by the way, first post-Iowa poll, the uh, Quinnipiac poll, has Sanders 25, Biden 17, Bloomberg 15, Warren 14, Buttigieg 10, Klobuchar 4. Uh, no other candidate. Uh, polling above two, you
1: said that was Iowa.
0: That's post Iowa. Post Iowa. That's the first Post-Iowa. national poll. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Post Iowa. Gotcha. It was. Uh, it was uh, published on Monday, so it does not.
1: And and it has been one of the more reliable polls.
0: I don't know. I I, I haven't seen its score. I should go on 538 or Real Clear Politics or one of those places to check. I haven't seen its score. But the uh, but what's A couple of things are interesting. One that it hasn't yet regged Buttigieg and Klobuchar's. Uh, superior performance in those two states is not yet registered in that poll. Now that was released Monday, which means they were calling the week you know, right after Iowa, not after right. New Hampshire.
1: Before New Hampshire.
0: The uh, and but Bloomberg uh, does you know is in a statistical dead heat with Joe Biden and trending up rather than trending down and looks like in second place. But the other thing that is interesting to me is that a big question I have is is Bernie Sanders stuck at 25? Or even if the people who are haranguing uh, Elizabeth Warren to drop out of the race, and under the assumption that all of those people would go to uh, go to Bernie, which is not so far the indication, by the way, that one of the, that she has been the the top number two choice for the most candidates. My, it I, also means that when she when her candidates go away, when her excuse me supporters go away, they disperse to the largest number yeah, of candidates.
1: My, my, my guess is that a lot more Bernie backers would go to Elizabeth if Bernie bucks out than the other way around.
0: And it is, and it is interesting to me the uh, that that he got you know forty three percent of the vote in the last election, but you know jumping about you know getting to thirty now has been very challenging, uh, and and I anyway I find that interesting dynamic because normally if you had I mean he is clearly at this point it has to be viewed as the front runner, but there aren't a lot of folks uh, that I know or who are now so sure. That, or at least there are a number of folks I know who aren't so sure this is going to be decided before the convention. I mean, it's it's their their the sta- candidates with staying power. Elizabeth Warren raised five million dollars since Iowa, right? There are people who still think electing a woman president is one is one of the more important tiebreakers one can have in, in making the decision. Bloomberg's not running out of money,
1: and, and and the real key is any candidate who has the funds to make it to Super Tuesday. Is going to stay in till Super Tuesday.
0: Oh, for sure that. The Absolutely. question is what happens after Super and, Tuesday.
1: And, and Warren Warren could have a huge surge there because I predict that she will do extremely well in
0: California. We're going to have. So let's count them. how many we're going to have. It's all it's definitely stick through Super Tuesday. So Buttigieg, Biden, uh, I, I think, I mean, maybe maybe if something bad happens in in South Carolina, Biden steps out. But I, I, f- I assume it's like a relatively low cost thing for him to stick around to Super Tuesday. He's got high neighborhood recognition of those states. Uh, Klobuchar, I think, almost certainly sticks through Super Tuesday after a performance in New Hampshire. Elizabeth Warren, I think, probably does. You didn't uh, mention Bernie yet. Uh, uh, Bernie Sanders is number one is so far, number one in the national poll, has the most, uh, has the most delegates, just bear, you know by Bloomberg's one. Bloomberg's going to be there. and Bloomberg. Styer's and then, then, then Styer probably sticks. Oh, by the way, Dad, Michael Bennett dropped out. Did I you said, announce yeah, that? Did I you announce that? that? All right, I did. all right. Uh, I think Tulsi Gabbard has not dropped out. No, she hasn't. No, as long as the Russian bots still push her, she'll stick around. So uh, Bloomberg, Warren, Buttigieg, Biden, Klobuchar, Sanders, and Steyer, that's seven candidates. And, and
1: put, seem, t- put Gabbard. Gabbard better All right, and Tulsi Gabbard be. will get some votes, too. She'll get some votes.
0: So, and I think all of those folks, maybe one of them drops out. I'm not sure which, but maybe one of them drops out before Super Tuesday. But it seems to me, why not wait? Why not, why not keep going? I don't think that... Uh, all right, yeah, I'll say about that. Anything else on the presidential race, Dad? You want to talk about? Oh, and we, did we, did any anything you want to pour out with respect to Andrew Yang? One thing I saw was somebody posted, "I can't believe it! I'm taken by such surprise." It was actually a friend of mine from it was a friend of mine from high school. It was, I'm taken by such a surprise and said, "Like it, it, I have to say, now supporting Andrew Yang—that's absolutely someone's right to do, but it—but uh, to be surprised that he was going to drop out of the presidential race at some point." I don't know. It seems like he was not surprised that he dropped out of the presidential race. I think he was surprised that he was on the debate stage multiple times. I think so. I think he was surprised that he ended up being a top ten presidential candidate in the United States, even if you consider both parties. His, he, he was a bigger deal presidential candidate than the former Republican mayor of Massachusetts at this point. So You mean governor of Massachusetts. Excuse me. What did I say? You mayor? said mayor. Mayor of Massachusetts. Yeah, no, it's governor. bigger than a city. It's a whole state. Yeah. They have a governor and everything
1: and and a former very uh, important congressman Joe Walsh who dropped out dropped out after he published an op-ed saying that his party has become a cult. Yeah. And might mention that what what's it? Ten- yeah, Tennessee, a representative has introduced a bill to pass a resolution naming CNN and no. MSNBC, et cetera, As has fake news oh. saying because they are publishing statements that, about cult and what means, of course, that the guy who is introducing that legislation, who has also, also introduced legislation, wanting to count fetuses in population counts, <laughs> determining where things go, is introducing that legislation, so, but the thing I wanted to mention that well, is not well,
0: I'm important. Still on Andrew Yang, you've now changed the subject twice. Okay, Hold well, on. we're in the presidential race. I'll, I'll, I'll make it real Yang, clear. It Yang, Yang
1: Yang wisely said, he, he basically said, "I'm not going to throw good money after bad."
0: I likened Andrew Yang early in the campaign to someone who I liken him again to now. I'm going to liken Andrew Yang to Steve Forbes. Dad, you remember when Steve Forbes ran for president? I do. And he ran for... you remember the idea that he pitched when he ran for president? What was it?
1: The idea was the flat tax.
0: Was the flat... And you remember that, right? Oh, I do. Like anybody who would pay attention to that presidential race. Steve Forbes would be president.
1: And people are going to remember the thousand
0: bucks. People People are are going to remember. I mean, I had multiple... Even in the X-Ray Slack channel, I had, well, I guess I'm not getting my thousand bucks a month now. (laughs) That sucks. People are going to... He absolutely elevated the awareness of universal basic income in the same way that... Steve Forbes elega- elevated the idea of a flat tax. And by the way, if you look at taxation now relative to what it is when tax. Steve Forbes was pitching it, it's closer and closer to flat tax. By the way, that means that rich people pay less tax relative to when Steve Forbes was arguing for that. And by the way, yeah, Steve Forbes of Forbes magazine, he's a rich guy who was advocating for lower taxes for himself and his family and their confederates. So... Andrew yang pour one out for Andrew Yang a presidential campaign I would argue of relevance I think that as we uh, as the and I've also had multiple people who said it was including Asian friends like it was just awesome it was dope to see someone who looked like me on the Democratic Party debate stage right so I thought that was you know I was proud of that Michael Bennett left more left more quietly it seemed to me yes he did he was like a U.S. senator and everything.
1: He left more quietly, partly because he didn't have much of a platform the last month.
0: You're listening to X-Ray FM, KXY Portland, KQAC HD3 Portland, 107.1, 91.1 FM, streaming online everywhere at X-Ray.fm. By the way, as part of our mission to put a microphone to the community, X-Ray is exploring a daily news podcast, and we're now accepting proposals. What should the community know about? What would you want to know about? What would you want to hear about? How long should it be? Super quick rundown, longer form interviews, some combination. And how might you want to be engaged? Writing, editing, producing, listening. If you have a project proposal, if you have any idea... If you are a potential production team member, you want to be a voice for a daily news podcast for Portland, please send your ideas, your submissions to pods at xray.fm. That's P-O-D-S at xray.fm. Dad, you wanted to I talk to, about I Joe have, or I, Pio.
1: I have to apologize. I do have one more thing on the national election. Okay. Amy Klobuchar is saying that she's getting the big number from people who still go to church. Interesting. Yeah, she, she, she's, getting, she's getting the church. I'd be course. fine
0: with Amy Klobuchar. I'd be fine with these people. I have to say, like, and this is the Matt Iglesias' argument. Okay. The, the argument I want to make is pick the best president. right? Pick the person you think would be the best president. You're going to be better at that, evaluating that, I think, than evaluate, you know, doing some bank shot on who you think is most likely to win. Uh, Matt Iglesias' argument is you should have somebody be a good president who's a boring candidate. That's his big argument, because he thinks, and, and by the way, this is pretty close to one of Amy Klobuchar's recent statements. Oh, we, we, Voters want somebody who's not going to be as nutty as Donald Trump, and that will then become the focus of the argument. Hey, do you want it to somebody who's just kind of normal, not going to freak anybody out? And if you do the math, like this is the viability argument of Amy Klobuchar, I think is the strongest viability argument that there is. That doesn't mean she's the most viable, to be clear. It just means I think her argument is the strongest. The Amy Klobuchar argument for viability is what I just said. So the Matt Iglesias, a boring candidate, put the highlight on Trump's negatives and beat Trump, make it harder to be attacked by the Trump machine, hold on to something close 50%, and he won't get hired in 44, and you win. The Also, and that's a pretty good argument, if you want to go even more granular on the math, that what won the state, excuse me, U.S. House races in 2018, like... AOC, to be clear, won in a hardcore Democratic district in New York, right? This was not this was not a swing district. What ended up flipping the house were all these suburban districts around the country and tended to be suburban women voters who didn't like Trump who supported the Democratic candidate, tended to be relatively moderate women candidates. And she not only, not only Klobuchar resembles some of those candidates, sans the military record, uh, but also polls well, does very well with suburban women, including churchgoers you were just talking about, Dad. Klobuchar has a really strong viability case. I think she has the strongest viability case, and I don't think she'd be as divisive a nominee as Bloomberg uh, or even as Biden. Now, uh, Bernie Sanders' viability case, essentially, he will engage more people Right, he'll get more. He's such a part, and he does have the strongest uh, activist base of any of any campaign that we've seen since probably Obama and before that, since Howard Dean. It's a really strong activist base. Uh, that said, and has, well, he polls poor, more poorly among older voters, more highly among younger, younger, younger voters. I care lots about younger voters. Spent a lot of my life trying to engage them. The, but there is a. But there's a challenge with his argument is that we actually haven't seen that so far in the states. He's gotten to his 25%, but there hasn't been a significant growth in participation or participation among younger people in those early states. A lot of young people participating, a lot of people participating. But we're not seeing this brand-new electorate that would would confirm Sanders' viability case. So anyway, not saying one is more viable than the other, just saying whose argument is stronger. All
1: right, we'll see. Now, on Joe Arpaio early this morning, about 5.30 this morning, and then about 20 minutes later, I got another one from Joe, saying that if he doesn't have $25,000 contributed to him by midnight tonight, he's dropping out of the sheriff's race. And the, the teaser, the thing that makes you click on it, because it just goes my spam my junk file, and I just decided yeah. to check the junk file this morning and see what he was saying, because the teaser said, Joe Arpaio... I'm dropping out. And that was the thing that teased me into looking to say, oh, is he really dropping out? No, "No, he's not really dropping out. He's doing the same move the televangelist did. Send me some money. Send me some money
0: or God's going to call me home.
1: Exactly. At at age 87, I, I suspect that he may be sort of living on what he's collecting.
0: We got a meme sent in. By the way, the text line is 971-220-5979. Again, it's 971. And you can save it in your phone, so you can correct me when I say something stupid, and you can do it quickly. 971-220-5979, 971-220-5979. Got a meme sent in at the text line, which shows, I'll hold it close to the microphone, which shows a, a, a person holding a large dog and cuddling him closely. And it says, everyone... Andrew Yang suspending his campaign. And in the background, it shows a very lonely cat looking at the person holding the dog and cuddling it closely. And that very lonely cat is labeled as Michael Bennett suspending, suspending his campaign. People know <laughs> that Michael Bennett is the lonely cat and Andrew Yang is the closely held Labrador. All right, Dad, the, I want to talk about the Secretary of State's race. This is the biggest political news of the week. And it's not the very first time anybody's talked about it, but it's the first time you and I've talked about it. That on Monday, personal friend, uh, somebody who has been interviewed here uh, on, on, I think, more than one occasion, Jennifer Williamson, uh, former House, yeah, definitely more than one occasion, former House Majority Leader, who stepped down from the legislature to run for uh, Secretary of State, the state's second highest constitutional office, who was viewed as the front runner for that election, dropped out of the race dropped out of the race because she was uh, critical of coverage that was on its way uh, about her use of campaign funds she had used campaign funds and there I have seen no allegation by the way that she's done anything illegal uh, the she used campaign the, the biggest critiques that Lamont week made were that she used campaign she rented an office which lots of legislators do using campaign funds but that it was in her husband's law firm but it was like 200 dollars a month the uh, that she That's what, $20?
1: $200, twenty dollars 200 dollars a month cheap it's not it's she, wh- not where, where, where else is she gonna, where else old, is she going to get know, an office that cheap exactly exactly
0: <laughs> that the uh, that she rented a room in Salem which is very typical I did the same thing I didn't use campaign funds but I did the same thing
1: should should also should also perhaps add that that would enable when she was going to her district office that they only needed one car and. It's a, an
0: environmentally good thing to do, and that and that that and that that room she was renting was from her niece, and so they characterized that as she was trying to funnel money to her family. And Again, then
1: she probably got a better deal than she could get anywhere else.
0: Right, three hundred fifty dollars a month is not a lot for rent. I don't know what I don't know what other people are paying. Is that's that not what it was? I think it was three hundred fifty dollars a month. Oh wow! Okay,
1: for full time office?
0: No, not for office. This was for a room to sleep in. For room to sleep. Two hundred. The two hundred dollars a month was oh. the office. Three hundred fifty dollars so for a for a room but, to sleep in.
1: Yeah, but you. You should you should have a
0: place in Salem to sleep so
1: you don't have to right. commute.
0: And then and then the other was she had taken extensive travel each year. She had taken an international trip. Okay, and the
1: international the, trip, I think she could legitimately argue, would make her more knowledgeable and more qualified to serve as majority leader of the House. And what I
0: think is the real important part of the story is that. And, and there was there was chatter. Oh, there must have been more. If She stepped down uh, from the race. There must have been more that was going on. But I think we know it was going on because it was even embedded in the story that she had voted along with the vast bulk of Democrats to uh, make mild, a mild shave to uh, PERS benefits, to do a mild PERS reform as part of the negotiations in passing the significant tax increases uh, for the Student Success Act, right? The biggest funding that, that Oregon schools have had in decades, really since the passage of Measure 5 and Measure 50. And that part of those discussions that the governor helped to lead uh, was, all right, we'll right, we'll, we'll do a little baby version, a tiny little bit of PERS reform. Public labor was like, you don't have to do that. We'll, we'll, we can get it done without you doing that. We could pass it. And it was significantly controversial, uh, particularly among public labor. Now, public labor, it did look like they were going to still support Jennifer Williamson, in part because she'd worked with them on a lot of stuff and they respected her abilities uh, and also because she looked like she was a front runner. Apparently, over the last several weeks, there, when this story was being worked on, she got, was getting signals from public labor. When I say public labor, that basically means SEIU, AFSCME, uh, OEA, uh, and AFT. Right, uh, AFSCME, uh, which is like state work, is like city and state workers, uh, and uh, and and also prison workers. SCIU, which includes some public workers and a lot of like home care workers, uh, AFT, which is school workers, non-classified or classified employees, non uh, not like non-teachers generally, and then uh, and then OEA, which is a teachers union. Right? to Put it simply, that that's when I, when I say public labor, that's what I mean. So that these organizations communicated to her they weren't going to be with her, in the election. And so she just didn't see the math to victory this soon as she pulled out. To me, this is not merely a story, maybe not primarily a story, of uh, Jennifer Williamson's use of campaign funds that I haven't seen, I, I have not seen anything that was su- suggested to be illegal. But at the significant power of public labor and the, uh, and the, uh, and the impact of that PERS vote in the last legislative session, and that it looked like she was going to be able to weather it, and then she was unable to weather it. And of course, remaining you know Willamette week, uh, taking down another you know taking down another candidate, taking yeah, down another uh, person with a promising another career.
1: notch on their gun. Yeah. So
0: uh, any any um, uh, anything quickly you want to say on that, pop We're going to have Mingus Maps in well, since, just a moment, candidate for since, city since council. we
1: we're, were talking about that, at some point this morning, I, I maybe just laundry list. There's a bunch of international stuff that I want to mention. But we might also mention that Kim Thatcher has announced on the Republican yep. side, Senator Kim Thatcher, who served in the House when you were there. She's now in the Senate. Uh, I did a bill with Kim Thatcher. Did you
0: really? I did the yeah. State Transparency Bill, putting the uh, state budget and on anyway, the uh, she, internet.
1: She she has announced, and interestingly, she is carrying the bill that is going to go to the floor now to change the person to whom the Transparency advocate reports from the governor to the commission, Uh part of which is chosen by. And it looks like there, somebody they said that that had a fiscal impact, but nobody's been able to explain exactly what the fiscal impact would be. The risk of that is they it might get sent to Ways and Means. If it goes to to Ways and Means, it'll die there. It'll no way will make it out of Ways and Means in a one month session. But if that doesn't happen, I think that's going to happen, and I think I think that's going to be a good thing.
0: The uh, uh, I should do just a little bit of sausage making. The uh, to explain the fiscal impact.
2: Sausages begin as cuts of fresh meats in a grinder. Sausage do, does begin as cuts of fresh plant, meat in a grinder.
0: And when you run through, if it's in Congress, it's called scoring. If, if it's in the legislature, it's called fiscal impact. If your bill is going to cost money, it gets flagged as something that's going to cost money. And if it costs money, if it gets so flagged, it has to go through ways and means, which adds an additional step. It's also the easiest way to kill a bill. So very often. In fact, I will talk about the transparency bill. Here's another little breaking news. One of the biggest things that I did, I was a freshman, but I was wily uh, in the in the uh, legislature was you end up lobbying the agency to say, hey, don't put a fiscal impact on this. Uh, like include this in your current budget and cl- say that you're able to do. It's very important that we're able to do this. This is not going to cost that much. It's not going to be that big a deal. You can get this in, you know, y- using existing using existing resources, right? You
1: did that with your water bill? Uh,
0: no, no, that costs money. We did that. We, we did that with the transparency bill, the very thing you're talking about, mm-hmm. Kim. That-, that that the thing that Kim Thatcher's going to be running for Secretary of State on. Sorry, everybody, uh, and she. Uh, and, and we got it without a major fiscal impact which meant it could pass if it had a fiscal impact then it's an easy thing to vote against you don't even have to vote against it because it gets sent to Ways and Means and it just gets deprioritized it says oh I guess we don't have this 50 grand we don't have this 1.6 million dollars I guess we just can't pass it and the bill just disappears towards the end of the session even though you voted out of committee and even if you had 37 co-sponsors we had a bunch of co-sponsors I think we had 31 co-sponsors in the house so anyway that's just a little bit of sausage making and they call it scoring in Congress but it's the same basic thing if you can get your score to be cheap. If you get your fiscal impact statement to approach zero, you got a better chance to pass it. Dad, I think we should get to Mingus Maps unless you want to just whisk through a couple of, a well, couple of maybe, critical well, international headlines.
1: Why, why do we wait till we're done? All right. I don't want also
0: want to wanna, also pour one out for Portland's Concordia University. Uh, shout out to Michelle Jones at Wayfinding Academy. Michelle Jones was at Concordia Uh, critiqued some of the decisions that Concordia University was making uh, in terms of reducing teaching staff and bloating some of its facilities and bloating some of its administrative staff. Uh, I don't know that she would admit that she feels vindicated, but she feels vindicated in that she then went on to start the Wayfinding Academy Startup College, a small, tiny little school in St. John's. Uh, Hopefully it has an an interesting uh, future. The uh, uh, I uh, got a text in about Jennifer Williams, and now Jake was, has another notch on his belt. He does not want another person ending up governor who is a Democrat. Did Julie Parrish feed him all this stuff? I don't know.
1: And Well, if we're going to mention Concordia, I think it is very sad to see that institution, 115 years old, simply going away, following Merrillhurst and the Art Institute of Portland and the Oregon College of Arts and Crafts, all of whom have gone out. The What's going to happen
0: years? with the land? That's what I want to figure out. Oh, the, yeah, like, like the, the land and these wonderful buildings. You have these wonderful buildings. What the heck do you use them for? Right? I mean, maybe, I don't know, like a college. Like that's what they're built to be, right? I mean, it's not it, you, an office campus, but with dormitories. I mean, it's not There's not. It's not It's a sports stadium. Do you tear it all down? I mean, it's really kind of a bummer. Yeah, the Concordia Library is just a, marvelous, it's a marvelous, building. marvelous building. you got a great baseball stadium. Maybe Jefferson High School moves there. I don't know. All right, folks. We have a commitment here to making sure that we have a chance to talk to as many of the candidates for public office as we can, and we're going to make a commitment to interview and invite for an interview all the major candidates for local office here. We recognize there aren't enough media outlets that do that. This is one of the places that's trying to give you the information. Put a microphone to our town. We appreciate you helping us do that. We're going to be right back with Mingus Maps, candidate for city council here in Portland. I'm Jefferson Smith. That's my dad. This is news with my dad, and we will be back with you. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to X-Ray. Thank you for doing that. We are here with Mingus Maps, who is a uh, candidate for city council here in Portland. Mingus Maps, welcome.
2: Thank you so much. Glad to be here.
0: Who are you and why are you running?
2: Well, uh, I'm a Democrat. I'm a dad. I'm a political scientist and I'm a public servant. Um, I'm running for Portland City Council because like, you know, all of us, I love our city. We... um, have inherited, I think, one of the great cities in America. We live in a beautiful place. Uh, Portlanders are fundamentally kind, caring, connected, and creative. But at the same time, you know, I'm concerned about the direction our city is heading in. Um, And we all know the problems. There's too much homelessness. Uh, not enough affordable housing. Too often it feels like City Hall is broken, and that's because City Hall actually is broken. Um, but I'm running because I know that we can still fix it, and I think we really must.
0: Running against Chloe Daly, Sam Adams also jumped in the race. I want to talk about some of the political dynamics sure. as we move forward. But start with that claim. You say it's broken. Mm-hmm. How How is it broken?
2: Well, let's just start with our form of government. Uh, one of the things I want to do on City Council is to fundamentally reform city hall. Uh, There are two reforms that I'm very concerned about. One is I want to change the way we elect members of city council. Right now, I... You want to make it by district. Yep. It's about time we do that. You want a
0: strong mayor or an unelected bureaucrat?
2: I want uh, a city manager who is responsive and responsible to city council. And the, and so why would an elected
0: bureaucrat be better than an elected city councilor in terms of ensuring that the people of Portland have uh, accountability and have ability to influence their government?
2: Well, a city well, a city manager would work for city council right now. So that uh, I, there's not an issue of accountability there. And well, except, except it's kind
0: of hard to fire that person, right? And, and like if I if I if I'm, no, if, I'm okay. if I'm in a neighborhood Trust association. Trust me, it's not hard to fire that person. If, if I'm a member of a neighborhood association, right? Uh-huh. Or if you get rid of neighborhood association, yep. we can talk about that too. Yep. But uh, if I'm if I'm if I'm a citizen yep. and I want satisfaction on the water bureau. If there's a whole city manager that runs every darn thing, right. like holding that person accountable for one mistake, because I have the voice of one... I have the ear of one city councilor who's my district city councilor. I don't... Not all five members of city council have to come see me. Only one city councilor has to care what I think. And that one city council, even if they do really care about what I think, isn't necessarily going to have much sway with that city manager.
2: Well... Here's my exp- I've worked in City Hall. Sure. Let me tell you what my experience was, uh, and let me tell you where I think Portland is at. Right now, the problems that the city faces are complex. Let's take homelessness. Homelessness is not just... City councils are too dumb. Uh, well, no, no, no. It's a matter <laughs> of co- coordination across, uh, 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 across services. So, you know, homelessness is not a, just a matter of housing. It's also a, a mental health issue and a public safety issue. And if we want to make real progress on hard problems like that, we need to be able to coordinate services across bureaus. Right now, we can't do that. If one commissioner, say the commissioner in charge of public safety, has a different vision um, than the commissioner in charge of housing, it's really hard to knit together a comprehensive uh, solution to a problem like homelessness. What cities
0: are better than us because they have a city manager?
2: I would say, well, the question is, how can Portland be better?
0: Yeah, but but if I'm judging that, I want to sort mm-hmm. of see like uh, the old the old question is is or is Portland is Portland a neat city? So that's that's my first question, I guess. But it, how do you, how would you rate Portland as a city on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh we
2: have we are a, we are a one. We have inherited like the, one of the greatest cities in America. I think that's So true. if 10 is
0: a high, you'd give it a 10. Oh,
2: if 10 is a high, I'll give it a 10. All right. So the uh, although not the functioning of our city government, that is much closer to a three.
0: So that's but this is interesting, right? It's the old argument of are we a, are we a ten in spite over because of our weird form of government, and it, you say it's in spite of correct what is a, and and what i'm trying to look for yep. is an exact cuz i see the trade off i'm right. first of all not as convinced that vast more coordination is going to happen i see big and bloated bureaucracy having just as hard a time uh, coordinating things as disparate offices who need to run across the hall to get parks to coordinate with public safety uh, that I, it, i'm not as convinced at that personally But the uh, but so therefore I look I want to look for examples like what's the city that seems to have. And one of the things we score really high on. Right. Right. Is small D Democratic engagement. like We score the highest in that. And I think one of the reasons we score the highest in that is the person who manages the potholes is actually elected accountable to the people. And so that's the thing I think. I think it's going to be a major trade off. So you say it's not a trade off. You think it's a trade off worth making.
2: Uh, I don't. I don't think it's a trade-off here at all. I think it's important to have the people who are managing our programs actually be professionals and trained in how to manage, you know, whether it's streets or civic engagement or the Water Bureau. Right now, we are appointing, we're essentially electing whoever we're electing and putting them in charge of billion-dollar bureaus, which they have, frankly, no background in. Also. Clearly, Portland has a fundamental coordination problem. I'll tell you a story. I used to work for the city's crime prevention program, which is in civic life. Uh, And uh, crime prevention is fundamentally uh, the city's uh, proactive arm of our public safety program, our systems. It's, you know, those folks will go out and work with neighborhoods or small businesses to help stop crime before it happens. And then we have the police department, which is in a different bureau. And I think of that as being the reactive arm of the city's. public safety system. What you want is your proactive and your reactive arms to work together. When I was a manager at the uh, crime prevention program, one of the things I would do was I would go to the um, police department and say, hey, can you give us data on where crime is happening? And if you do that, I'll send out my crime prevention coordinators, we'll work with those neighborhoods and we'll stop crime before it even happens. And the city's uh, police department would say, no, that is our data. That's the kind of dysfunction Portland lives with every day. It's dangerous, and we can't afford to do it any longer.
0: And you think, and we're a weird form of government. Nobody else does it like ours. Correct. But you also think we're a better city than those other places. Yep. But you think we'd be even better. That's Absolutely. Your yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And you're not worried. And how do you ensure that we don't see a significant, and my prediction, by the way, is yep. we will, if the people who want to get rid of neighbor associations uh-huh. and who want to uh, institute a, a, a an elected bureaucratic king to run the whole darn city mm-hmm. that i think that will uh significantly erode citizen engagement in our town how do you how do you propose how, tell me i'm wrong or what do you propose to ensure that i'm wrong
2: well um Civic en- number one, I want to say I'm a champion of civic engagement. One of the reasons why I'm arguing for electing members of council by district as opposed to at large is I think it will bring more voices into City Hall. Um, I also think that uh, having a responsive government that actually addresses issues in a meaningful way is part of the way that we get to a better government.
0: Uh, how do you... Uh Dad, raise your, wave your hand if you have a question. Out of my hands, on. So, I, uh, go ahead, Pop. Oh, he's not on. oh, never mind, never mind. You're not on right now. You're you're not on right now. I'm gonna have to. I just have to ask this next question. Sure. Does, do Chloe and Sam disagree with you on this? Do Chloe and Sam both want to cr- keep the f- current form of government?
2: I have not heard either one of them address this issue. And I want to say it's really important that we elect members of City Council who want to fundamentally change City Hall because the because our elected leaders have to be. At the forefront of getting this done, they okay. will be the ones who are going to. You work. don't know what Chloe thinks about it. Um, I've heard conflicting things out of her office, frankly. Okay. So I think it's worth someone giving her office a call to find out where she stands on charter yeah. reform.
0: No, I know that. I know that. Uh, I know that her chief of staff uh-huh. ha- is, has been uh, is pretty persuasive in the strengths and the advantage because because part of the challenge. Is that like look at the transportation commission, right? Yep. If you look at if you look at how transportation runs yep. in our state, yep, and it it, it has no electoral accountability. So mm-hmm. even though you end up getting Democrats who win, the uh, all we are pretty much in the state transportation uh, division is highway builders, right? right. And yeah. we're, we're expanding I five, trying to build yeah. the Columbia River Crossing, and we're just highway builders. And 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 by the way, and so if you have some activists who like complain about that, you know how much the transportation commission cares. You know how much the head of ODOT cares about a group of activists. I do N- not a lot. Right. Like in fact, as far as I can tell, not. a all mm-hmm. and and I think that the more layers you have if you have that unelected king, I think the more layers you have separating that person, I think that creates a risk. But you've made your view clear, and that's and, an important view.
2: And I would also point out uh, um, that you know one of the reasons why I'm running is that Portlanders have the experience that their current city council is incredibly unresponsive. I, I don't think that anyone can defend our current system. Yeah, especially on the grounds that it is somehow responsive. To no, the I think most of them uh, suck. But,
0: the, but but having an elected king might suck more. But we've talked about that a lot. Right. Let's talk about other stuff. Sure. Uh, You're not sure where Chloe lands on that. What differentiates you the most with her?
2: Oh, gosh. Um... I should say we share a lot of the, a lot of values in common. I'm I'm a progressive. Um, I want to get more people involved with government. On the other hand, we are also about as different from one another as you can possibly be. Um, you know, I am. I would say the incumbent is fundamentally driven by ideology. I am very much driven by evidence. Um, I think the incumbent is often divisive. I am a uniter. I, the incumbent um, has made it clear that she opposes programs that she manages, like the Neighborhood Association System and the Crime Prevention Program. I will be a champion for Neighborhood Associations, and I will be a champion for the Crime Prevention Program. Um, And you don't think she is? She is not. She has uh, systematically dismantled both of those programs.
0: Another disagreement. Here, try putting on those cans again, sure. and one of them should be real time. One of them's delay. We don't know why. Sorry about having a production meeting on air, uh, but I want I want Pop to be able to ask his question. Can you hear now?
2: Yeah, I think I can. All right,
0: Dad, go ahead. Testing one two three. Do you hear me? I sure do. That's great.
1: Okay, why not instead of a city manager, a strong mayor, so that when people have something they Want to complain about, they can go to their council person, and the council person has direct access to the mayor, and the mayor is going to tend to pay attention to that council person because he or she knows that he or she is going to need that council person's vote on something soon or maybe even tomorrow. So, why not a strong mayor instead of a city manager?
2: Well, I think one of the issues that I really care about is good effective government and one of the things that we just do not have now is a professional government that is able to address the problems that matter most to portlanders one of the ways that we can get there is number one to make changes that allow us to coordinate services across bureaus though our form of government right now is literally designed to prevent that from happening Um, Also, I think it's important that city council focus in on making high-level policy choices. Um, And I think you should have professionals who, frankly, are familiar with the services that they run, uh, managing the day-to-day of operating billion-dollar organizations.
1: But a a strong mayor Mm -hmm. could hire... Those professionals, the the strong mayor, so you you do away with the silos. I understand, and there's a very good argument for doing away with the silos. There's also a very good argument for recognizing that just because somebody is able to get himself or herself elected to city council does not mean that he or she is worth squat in managing a bureau. That's obvious. But, But a strong mayor would be able to hire the folks to run the bureaus And and so, again, why wouldn't a strong mayor accomplish what you're after without losing the influence that neighborhoods and individual citizens might have?
2: Well, I, I I I feel like the difference between what you're saying and what I'm saying is is largely uh, it's a it's a difference. There's not much difference there. I'm saying city council should hire a city manager. Should the uh, country
0: do the same thing? Should the state of Oregon do the same thing? Instead of having instead of having a governor mm-hmm. that can name a head of DAS and a head of, of state bureaus, instead should there be a, a state manager and and similar to the United States of America? Should the United States of America instead of having a president, or they could still we just have a president it was sort of ceremonial, but instead. Uh, Congress hires, you know, sort of the, the the head of the bureau of all bureaus, the head of the agency of all agencies.
2: I want to focus on Portland, and right. how to make Portland. Let's move. Work from,
0: better. Let's move from it. We've grilled you on this plenty. Yeah. What are the? Uh, and thank you for being here, by the way. Oh, thank you. We're talking to Mingus Maps, candidate for city council, running against Chloe Daly, and now Sam Adams in the race. Let's talk about the political dynamic sure. of the of the race. What's the path to victory for you? What are the What are the strengths? But also, what are the things you're trying to? What are the challenges? What are you wrestling with?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, number one, there are a lot of people running for a lot of seats this election cycle, yeah. uh, trying to keep, you know. I Just I, getting awareness, right? I, absolutely. There must be probably 24 city council candidates r- running around between yeah. all of these different races. So that is definitely um, a challenge. Um, I think a lot of people are also distracted looking at the national race as opposed to what's happening in local politics, which is understandable. But at the same time, I want to I'm here today to remind people that the government that you Encounter on a day-to-day basis is most likely your local government and not the federal government. And then, you know, I'm also taking on an incumbent and a former mayor, um, and that is an uphill challenge yeah. for a first-time how do, you, how
0: do you engage that uphill challenge? What does the fundraising look like for you? Sure. What does the endorsement process look like for you? What do you? How do you do
2: it? Okay. Hard work every day. Yeah. For about 18 hours a day, seven days a week. We've been doing. How much this- time are you?
0: How much time are you spending fundraising?
2: Um, I spend about a third of my time fundraising, yeah. so we do a lot of house parties, and I spend a lot of time on the phone reaching out to Portlanders and How asking. How many house
0: parties have you done so far?
2: Um, up north of fifty. Yeah,
0: yeah. and the uh, and what's what are you hearing most that surprises has
2: surprised you? Um, I'll tell you the truth. Um, what surprises me most is how much the charter reform issue really resonates. Yeah. I think this is a sleeper issue this election cycle.
0: Is it? Is it a sleeper? I don't think it's a sleeper. I, I think it's as far as I can tell, it's it's alive and well. I'm assuming uh, it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah. One of the re- one of the reasons that I'm even trying to ask. You know, sort of pointed questions yeah. about it is just we don't have have group think about it because sure. it seems to me that uh, to me I read I read the leaves and it seems pretty clear where they're going.
2: Yep, uh, and it's a it's a grassroots thing. This is not just about you know elites saying this is a change that needs to happen. When I go out and talk to Portlanders, as I do you know most of the day every day, um, and we talk about what's wrong. <sighs> The charter reform and the need for a city manager and, the, and to change the way we elect members of city council uh, just really pops. People get that it's time for change. Our city government needs to work fundamentally better.
0: What was the moment that you decided to run? You were working in city government. Yep. Uh, Chloé Daly was apparently driving you nuts, and you said, "That's <laughs> it. Not only am I not supporting her, I'm I, I'm throwing my I'm stripped to the buff. Mm-hmm. i my hat is in the ring."
2: Yep. Well, you know, as you mentioned, I worked uh, for the... I was a manager for the city of Portland. I helped. I was the program manager for the neighborhood association system, which means I was basically the head bureaucrat uh, helping coordinate the 95 neighborhood associations that we have across the city. And I also had a role helping to manage the crime prevention program. Frankly, I saw a lot of things in City Hall that made me really disappointed and sad. You know, it's totally fine to... um, have policies that you don't disagree that you don't agree with, but what I often saw were policies that were disconnected from reality. I saw management that was frankly often cruel and dysfunctional. I found a system that wasn't dedicated to learning. And during the time I was there, I really thought that if I was the best manager I could be, if I sort of brought evidence to folks and I tried to mediate and and move things forward in a constructive way. Things would work. Um, and that it wasn't really my experience. Uh, um, and then I thought, well... Maybe the labor, uh, maybe labor unions will be able to write this process or maybe um, or maybe the human r- or the, uh, the HR department will write this. Or maybe someone will just sue the city and fix, you know, frankly, some of the rot which is in City Hall. And one of the things I realize is there is no Calvary that it is coming to fix this problem. Yeah. The only way to fix this is an election. The way to fix this is to change leadership, and that's kind of where a lot of our problems come come from. Frankly, there are I see two problems. Number one, there are some structural issues, like I've talked about, the need to fundamentally change our form of government. And there are leadership issues. You know, we have a leadership which, frankly, is um, unresponsive to the interest and the concerns of our city. We have a leadership that, frankly, is not engaged with trying to learn and listen. We have a leadership that is not trying to pull people together. On a scale together. of 1 to
0: 10, how good a job is the mayor doing?
2: What's he doing wrong? Um, well, homelessness and affordable housing are yeah. fundamentally— What should
0: we be doing on homelessness and affordable housing?
2: Well, I actually, I'll give the mayor credit, and even he will say this, that um, he has learned and evolved on this issue. I think he came in with a focus on trying to build more shelters, um, which is really treating a symptom as opposed to treating— the causes and really getting to uh, uh, um, uh, real solutions for homelessness. So uh, let me tell you what I want to do. Instead of just building more shelters, I want to make systematic progress towards reducing the absolute number of people who sleep on the streets every night. What's the best way to prevent homelessness? Well, uh, into homelessness, it's number one, just prevent it in the first place. So I want to see us make a big investment in um, increasing housing assistance and rental assistance so people don't fall um, into homelessness. The money, uh, we need to make choices, right? Right, what there. should we choose away from? What well, no, we can, I, where do we you, you tax fraud, the tax, sure. Uh,
0: ta- tax the rich more, tax everybody more, or cut from something else. And if you just say fraud, you know, fraud, waste, and abuse, charter reform will solve everything, I would be skeptical because I don't think there's right. just, you know, just pennies under the couch cushions and that we should just adopt Lars Larson's arguments and figure out everything's going to be
2: fixed, right? Well, um. <laughs> In terms of raising more funds, I I think that obviously one of the first places you would look is to take a as to do to tax folks who have a lot of resources and are not paying their fair share I also think that literally you know if you take a look at the return on investment for spending dollars on uh, rental assistance versus a shelter bed you know rental assistance let's say you break your foot and can't show up for your job as a waitress for two months um, and then you're at risk of losing your home we could kind of stabilize you with maybe twelve hundred dollars on the other hand it probably costs us $1,200 a month to build a new shelter bed you know one of the reasons why our system is so expensive right now is that uh, we're actually not fundamentally reducing the input you know we're getting some people out but we need to stop that, that we need to stop people from losing their homes in the first place. The
0: I-5 widening, Columbia River Crossing, yep. it's it, it's treated as different things, essentially the same thing. Yep. Uh, making the lion's share of our state and regional transportation funding focused on highway expansions and mm-hmm. the impacts that that has uh, environmentally uh, and the impacts it has on other funding priorities. Yep. Uh, w- what do you think we should do about
2: it? Um, I oppose the highway expansion, although I think we might need a new bridge. How come? Uh, I think all the evidence shows that highway expansions, have, number one, are quite expensive, and over the long term, do very little to uh, do very little to actually reduce congestion. Um, I've also talked to traffic um, planners and engineers, and they tell me consistently: this bridge is a problem. We need, if we had a better bridge, especially one that incorporated public transportation, uh, we would make big progress on our congestion issues. Dad, go ahead.
0: Have you
1: heard about my suggestion, which I am trying to make with every candidate, Mm -hmm. for addressing the crossing issues with trying to reduce the number of cars that cross by encouraging people to get together when they go to work?
2: Um, I support that. That sounds like a great idea. I've seen things like that.
1: My my idea is fairly simple. Mm -hmm. We're talking about tolling. Mm -hmm. Tolling, and, and if you toll where you pay more in rush hours and less or not at all, that's one thing. But if you had tolls that were fairly expensive for a single person, Mm -hmm. less expensive for two people, Mm -hmm. free for three, Mm -hmm. and maybe even give you a quarter for four, and you provide, which would be extremely easy with today's technology, an ability three for minutes. people to easily connect with each other to carpool. I'll bet you in six months you could cut the number of cars crossing the bridge in half.
2: I think that sounds like a great idea. And in addition to that, one of the things I'd also like to, us to look at is to... Uh, reduce the price of public transportation during rush hour. But I would also add all the ideas that you've, you've put out there. I think they sound great. Um, one of the things I want to see us do is be innovative around solving our congestion problems instead of just pouring billions of dollars into making fatter highways.
0: Why not? And by the way, the, the, a challenge, and I hear that view, and it sounds like a balanced view, which I appreciate. The the only challenge with it is, I don't think you can expand I-5, uh, the, the I-5 bridge, mm-hmm. without expanding I-5 south of it. If you, if you do the, if you do the Columbia River Crossing plan mm-hmm. and keep I five south of there the same, mm-hmm. all you're going to do is move the bottleneck south. Mm-hmm. And the challenge, of course, and you say, okay, well then do both of them. Then all you're doing is moving the bo- bottleneck either south or just with all the capillaries that are feeding into it, because you're going to be, as soon as you build the bridge you want to build, you're going to be de- uh, promoting a whole bunch of development mm-hmm. in uh, in in Clark County yep. that allows you to avoid Oregon income taxes and Oregon sure. land use laws. Yeah. Uh, so how do you address the the whooshing sound that's going to go towards development and building in Clark County. And then with the traffic impacts, that's going to have just south of that brand new mega highway that you're calling a bridge. What do you do about that?
2: I'll take up. Uh, you're deeper into it than I, th- than I am. I'm a nerd I, on this. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I could tell you're a nerd. You're, you're a nerd on just this. in general. I think um, <laughs> what I like your dad, I, I'm really supportive and and want to explore creative strategies for reducing traffic congestion. I think all the evidence shows that if we spend a billion dollars expanding the highway, it will just fix traffic congestion for a relatively short period of time. On the other hand, I have had engineers come to me and say that bridge is a problem. It's obsolete. We need a new one. Yeah. So I, you know, I. I'm pro-infrastructure. I, yeah. I want, you know, but I also want smart, green infrastructure that will work for us well into the 21st century. I don't want to see us spend billions of dollars re- reproducing infrastructure that, frankly, is obsolete.
0: What's your greatest strength?
2: Um, I'm a hard worker. I'm a good listener. I'm constructive, and I love Portland.
0: What's your biggest weakness? What do you suck at?
2: Uh, what do I suck at um. Setting limits, I, I definitely wind up getting uh, I, overextended. I uh, yeah, I'm, I, wor- I'm way
0: worse than you, I bet. Uh, oh,
2: um, <laughs> I, I suspect we might have some things in common there. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's, that's also why you sort of have the courage to throw your hat in the ring. Uh, you know, because if I were good at setting limits, I would have said, this is way too much. And yeah. it is really a lot. Uh, but it's truly, I'm doing this because, you know, public service, especially working for a city and especially working for this particular city is I think one of the highest calling that one can have. It's certainly the highest calling that I can have. You know, there's a reason why my whole career has been about local government. I think it's incredibly precious, special work.
0: One other question I want to ask that we should have gotten into and we should get into now and by the way you're listening to X ray we're talking to Mingus Maps candidate for City Council running in the same race as current Commissioner Chloe Udaly and former Mayor Sam Adams. Thank you so much, Minkus, for being sure. with us. Is what I remember about you getting in the race mm-hmm. was it was around the time of the controversy of Chloe trying to kill neighborhood associations. Yeah, and, the, and and some of the arguments to, to get rid of neighborhood associations overlap with the arguments to change the city's form of government. And my and my critiques of both of those proposals are the same. Wow. Basically, unless you give me a plan of how we're actually going to boost, I think our greatest strength as a city is not a form of government. I think it's citizen engagement. I yep. think it's we have an active engaged citizenry. I agree. And, and the decisions that we make to structure our government mm-hmm. should relate to how it promotes or demotes citizen engagement. Sure. Anything I hear that I fear demotes citizen engagement, I want to hear, all right, what do you doing on the other side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's my same set of questions with the neighborhood associations. You, it seemed to me, were on the side of no. Let's not dump the neighborhood associations. let's Correct. Not, let, I'm a and,
2: champion of neighborhood associations. Yeah,
0: and, and how do you do? So the critique of neighborhood associations is that they're myopic and racist. That they're that they're just for the people who show up, and the people who show up are and that tend to be homeowners, and homeowners, and the people who show up are not representative of the citizens at large. How do you counter that critique?
2: Well, number one, I'm a black guy. I have been to. Dozens and dozens of neighborhood association meetings um, over the course of my career in a bunch of different roles. I think the way that you have characterized them is actually unfair. Yeah. Um, I think neighborhood- intentionally so. To be yeah, 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 yeah. No, totally. Um, um, you know, in my experience, neighborhood associations are part of the solution. They are not part of the problem. You know, your neighborhood associations are your neighborhood volunteers who will you know organize the graffiti cleanups and the movies in the parks and will reach out to city hall to talk about the new PBOP plan that screws up the neighborhood. Um, Does that mean that neighborhood associations are perfect or does that mean that neighborhood associations can't be better? No, but if you're the commissioner in charge of the neighborhood association system, it is sure your responsibility to help them get better. Like that's literally the job. If you have a critique as the incumbent does of the neighborhood association system, what you should be doing when you show up for work is figuring out how to help the neighborhood do a better job at outreach and how to be more relevant. You know, And if you're not doing that, I don't know why you're showing up every day.
0: Mingus Maps, what should have we asked
2: you that we didn't? How can you learn more about my campaign? You can go to my <laughs> campaign website. website, mingusmaps.com. That's M I N G U S M A P P S.com. You can find out more about our issues. We have some great events coming up. Uh, we're out there all day, every day. We'd love to see you. Please, this is a real grassroots campaign. I'm not taking dollars from corporations or PACs. I'm just taking dollars from real people, and I won't take any contribution over 250 bucks. You know, this is as real and grassroots as it gets, but we can only win if we have your support. So please come get a lawn sign, come to a meeting, tell your friends about Mengus Maps.
0: Mengus Maps, your prince for taking the time. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm Jefferson Smith. It is Thursday, February 13th. Metro Council has scheduled its first and only public hearing later this evening to discuss an annual $250 million homeless services measure, tentative City Council vote to excuse me, tentative Metro Council vote to refer the measure to the ballot is scheduled for Thursday the 20th. Metro President Lynn Peterson explained the measure was needed to help address the homeless crisis during or state of the region address. Earlier, plans had been to wait two years and do a set of town hall meetings to figure out what Metro's role should have been. Metro decided to move more quickly on it. <laughs> Senator Kim Thatcher announced during a timber unity rally at Ca- on the Capitol Thursday that she was running for secretary of state. Thatcher, who previously served in the House of Representatives of the state of Oregon, has been in, in the state Senate since 2015. Thatcher is the first Republican to enter the Secretary of State's race. The filing deadline is March 10th. The primary is May 19th. Former Oregon House Majority Leader Jennifer Williamson has ended her campaign for Secretary of State. Williamson's decision comes less than two months after she announced her resignation of the legislature to campaign full-time for the office. Remaining Democrats in the race include state senator mark hass, Jamie Skinner McLeod, who's the 2016 Democratic Challenger and nominee to run against Republican Greg Walden in the state and the in Congress, and Cameron Smith, former director of the State's Department of Consumer and Business Services. Concordia University will close its doors at the end of the 2020 spring term, according to the interim president, the school traces its roots Back to 1905's Lutheran Academy for Local Pastors and Teachers. It will close after graduation on April 25th, making it the fourth and largest private college in the Portland area to go belly up in recent years. Concordia had 8,000 students four years ago, has only 5,000 students now. 98% of those students get some sort of break on tuition. Portland State University announced on Monday it is committing to provide any needed assistance to the university and its students. Oregon is finally strengthening its environmental standards for logging on private land, and at least for now, Big Timber is on board. The big news this week is that 13 timber companies and 13 conservation groups have reached an agreement to limit aerial herbicide spraying near schools, homes, and streams. And to work together on other reforms that will bring Oregon's logging rules more in line with those in Washington and California. On Wednesday, members of the Senate Committee on General Government sent Senate Bill 1506 of the Senate floor with a recommendation that it be approved. Legislature intends to solidify the independence for Oregon Public Records, their advocate, and the Public Records Advisory Council. Kim Thatcher, running for Secretary of State, Republican from Kaiser, will carry the bill during Thursday morning's debate. Following the abrupt departure in September of former public records advocate Ginger McCall, Governor Kate Brown expressed her support for an independent advocate who was not attached to the governor's office. And that's today's Quick Six local rundown. Well, Pop, it is time for us to talk to Alex Zelensky, who is on the phone, I believe, right now. Alex, how you doing?
3: Doing well. How are you guys?
0: I am. I am holding up. The uh, <laughs> anything new that you're tracking on any of the city races?
3: Mm. Yes, I guess there has been some movement in um, a, a number of different races as the people just joining, um, putting their name in, in the hat, uh, including uh, William, what we reported yesterday, this woman um, named uh, uh, Paige, I believe, Crossman, um, from, who's a Nike associate, uh, is planning on joining the mayor's race. She's 34. She's younger than a lot of the other candidates. And um, Piper Piper
0: has, Kroll, I think, is uh, is her Piper name, Kroll, that's a candidate yeah. who uh, uh, employee of Nike, uh, somebody who had mm-hmm. been uh, before that worked at Pandora, uh, and before right. that worked as an environmental advocate. Uh, there has mm-hmm. been I, I have been surprised prior, Alex, that there hadn't been more candidates. I mean, Mingus Maps just came on the record and said that he mm-hmm. would give the current mayor who if he wins might be his might be his colleague and might be the one doling out his committee assignments on a scale of one to ten gave him a five. A five by the way, if it's a, if it's on a test in any college or high school in the United States is an F. The to give somebody a five out of ten uh, indicates to me that the mayor might have some weakness. That would suggest more candidates. So far Sarah Anarone had been the only candidate really running who'd qualified for public financing and not that many candidates actively campaigning. Does this uh, does she fill that void? Is the void still to be filled? What's your early prognostication of Piper Kroll?
3: Yeah, my I, I haven't spoken with her. I don't know much about her. She's a really polished campaign already. Um, okay she has some, some funding from um, from Nike in um, and other kind of corporate backing. So she has funding. Not sure if she's planning on Doing the open and accountable elections public financing program or not, um, she does seem pretty inexperienced when it comes to just understanding um, uh, working in politics and understanding kind of the political makeup of, of Portland. Um, some of her ideas go up against what City Council right now is talking about, especially when it comes to facial recognition uh, cameras. She seems to be support of them. She, um, so, I recall likes
0: facial recognition cameras, and the city government is nervous about them.
3: Yeah, and, and the police. Um, and same with kind of differing perspective on homelessness. It looks like she supports um, the Wapato Jail, kind yep. of turning into a homeless center. Um, so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see kind of what her chops are as her campaign progresses. But for right now, it's, it's pretty... Early for me to to make a judgment on it since I haven't spoken with her.
0: Sure. Who is Michael, switching gears, who is Michael Fesser?
3: Michael Fesser is a Portlander, a a longtime Portlander, who recently um, won $600,000 in a settlement case with the city of West Lynn. Um, He (laughs) is a focal point of this really bonkers um, police. Uh, kind of story of cronyism and, and retaliation and racism that involves both the uh, West Lynn police, um, the Portland police, uh, you know, members of the uh, Multnomah County DA and Classroom DA. Um, basically, he uh, was, was an innocent man who was arrested um, as a favor, basically, kind of for his um, by the Lynn of police for uh Westland chief of police yeah you cut this story to too it. yeah
0: it's great cra- it's the oh, I was just asking poppy heard this story he nodded oh, people yes. didn't hear the i, I,
1: I was I was going talk about it if she didn't I'm glad she is yeah, yeah. so the Westland chief of police
0: the oh, Westland the Westland chief of police uh Terry mm-hmm. Timius uh had yep. his officers work as his own personal posse uh that the I'm quoting there I'm not using I'm not using my own words. Uh, to go after this guy, and went after the guy
1: apparently initially because he had complained of racism at his place of employment, and his right. boss at his place and of his employment was an old that. boy, yeah. old boy buddy of the chief of police, and so that's how it all
0: started. Yeah, what's yeah, what's, what's Pop leaving out? Go ahead, Alex.
3: Yeah, and then uh, Westland uh, detectives convinced. Um, you know some co-workers of this guy, Michael Fessler, to start recording him um, at work to to try to get evidence it completely. Like they planted, they planted a tape wand.
0: machine. They planted a recording device.
3: Yeah. Yep, yep. Wow. <laughs> and um, and you know started trying to couple together a argument that he had been stealing money from. Uh, he works at a tow company, a towing company, and stealing money from that company. Um, of course, there's no evidence that he. did that, but um, because of kind of the relationships and friendships between uh, detectives and officers in Westland and detectives and officers in Portland, um, Westland PD was able to convince Portland officers uh, that, hey, there's probable cause to arrest this guy. Do you mind arresting him since he's in Portland? He's not in Westland. This has nothing really to do with Westland. Um, Can you pull him over and and arrest him for these uh, probable cause for his theft? Um, and without having any evidence, Portland, uh, at least four different officers pulled this guy over. They knew him because this guy, um, uh, Mike, Michael Fessler, has a reputation, for, I mean, a positive reputation hanging out in um, different local jails and, and um, bringing kind of ministry programs to different jails. And so they recognized him. and they, uh, one of them in the transcript kind of apologizes, saying, hey, Mike, I'm sorry, this is just a favor for Wesleyan. Um, arrested him. He was released the next day. Uh, no charges were really filed against him. Nothing. I mean, there were charges filed, but the case never really moved forward. He ended up suing um, Westland for dis- Westland PD for discrimination. And back in, back the to evaluation. the roots. Back
0: to the roots, and he, the, the kind of harassment that he was complaining about uh, that he mm-hmm. that he reported. Complaining cheapens it maybe uh, that he reported about. Included uh, what included offensive texts, included somebody sending him a Confederate flag and asking him how, how he liked it. Stuff that was yeah, borderline was, or not borderline racist at this point.
3: It was just was a Confederate flag sticker on a car and asking him how he liked it, and yeah. and other just like racial comments and slurs in the workplace. It was more of it, it seemed like more environmental, just like. At, Toxic environment that, yeah. that made way for a lot of uh, racism. And but now,
0: course, and now the chief um, of police and, and
3: investigation uh, documents later, uh, they're found uh, between a, a detective and another police officer. A ton of text messages. Oh, and, and this guy's boss also text messages that were just filled with really racist and um like just bad <laughs> jokes about this guy, um, and. Mm. Uh, you know, as they were investigating this case, kind of going back and forth and poking fun at the idea that they're that they're basically framing him for something. Yeah. Um, that he didn't and do, do I understand correctly
1: that the chief had retired and so
0: retired or fired?
1: Retired. I retired. Say, retired hey, Alex, I didn't hear you. Retired or fired?
3: Bailout. Oh, the chief uh, retired. Yeah. He looks pretty young. Uh, he retired. Yeah, and um, I think, I think and, and it was after. It was after. I don't know if this has anything to do with it. It might. It was after he was involved in uh, his own drunk driving incident. Um, but he got a, a big bailout when he left. Um, the other officers involved, all of them, have um, been promoted in one way or another, either through through the Western Police or one of them now is a trainer um, at the State Police Training Academy. Um, as of a couple of days ago, they were all, you know, happily employed um, going along. But then uh, after the Oregonian published this really, you know, long story on this case and kind of the twists and turns and, and a lot of the really awful text messages and comments and just retaliatory um, actions, both are the, the two, at least two different officers have now been put on um, paid administrative leave until these and new fester, investigations into well, what case. went on.
0: They've settled the case with Fesser for what six hundred thousand dollars?
3: Yeah, and that's just yeah. And Westland. And I, believe, no I believe he again.
1: also got a pretty good settlement from his employer.
3: Right. Right. Something in the two, two hundred thousand. And, and and by the 20, way, I
1: just want to drop this in gratuitously. If yeah. you are ever asked, what do you think about the Confederate flag? The answer is very simple. Just understand that it stands up for the right of white people to own black people. That's
0: what it's yeah, no, about. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's racist it's traitors. It's race. it is. It's, just ra- it's, it's people who are traitors of the country because they're racist. Like the, it's, it's two of the worst things. But, but that's off topic. Yeah, I don't want to say it's off topic. I want to get back to this topic. <laughs> well, going.
3: you just don't answer the question. Anything yeah.
0: anything uh, more that we need to know about this, by the way, you're listening to X-Ray FM, KXY Portland, KQAC, HD3 Portland, 107.1, 91.1 FM, Streaming online everywhere at x-ray.fm. Is there is there now a broader reckoning? I mean, you said there's two more officers uh, that have put, been put on leave. Is there a broader reckoning in the Westland Police Department? Is there a concern that this is a broader problem? That or do they think a switch of the yeah. chief is going to be sufficient?
3: Yeah, the Clackamas County DA is now investigating the way that the Westland Police handled the entire investigation. If you can call it that. Um, the Multnomah County DA is also investigating the way that they. Decided to, you know, they they were the ones Who chose to indict um, Sesson for um, These charges that were really Empty, and so now they're kind of Looking into how do we, how did this end up How do do we end up prosecuting this guy Who's innocent Um, And so there are, and and, uh, Governor Kate Brown has called for An investigation um, through The State Police Training Academy um, And and asked them to also investigate um, A the trainer who's a former police bureau or police officer in left I think the,
0: now. I think the penalty I think one of the things that should be levied on West Lynn is that West Lynn should have to invest significantly more of its resources on homeless and housing services that's what I think I think that there should hmm. be that that there ought to be when there's a, a public agency we ought to try to figure out how to then to invest more dough uh, to help people in that community so not all the load is Born by folks in the city of Portland. Any other big thing you want to plug before we run away, Alex Zelensky?
3: Well, I think this uh, story kind of segues nicely into conversation happening now at the state level that I'm in the midst of writing about a bit. Um, there's a a bill that's being discussed in the legislature that would change the um, ability for an arbitrator to overrule um, police discipline made by a police chief or a um, police commissioner, in our case, that's the mayor, uh, which could have uh, big implications in the way that police officers in general across the state are penalized when when things like this go uh, go on. I mean, at the, we don't really know exactly what happened, but apparently, in both, uh, at least one of the officers, um, the main detectives in this case, in Muslim was penalized um, for what he did, but there was no there's no record of kind of what that was, and he also was ended up being promoted. So. Um, adding a level of transparency to kind of that whole process, which, um, is going to be interesting, especially since Portland's about to enter its, um, bargaining session with its own union, which involves kind of, uh, discussion about discipline and arbitration. That's always kind of the top of mind for a lot of, um, folks in city council when they're, when they're, uh, meeting with the PPA, with the union here. So, um. A lot of interesting.
0: Alex Zelensky, we appreciate it. And we appreciate your time so much. People can pick up at Port Mercury online or around at Dropboxes. Appreciate your time. Sure
3: can. Thank you. Have
0: a good one. You are listening to X Ray. Dad, anything last thing you want to say? I think it is time for a straw in the wind.
1: My Am I a straw, straw. in the wind? was mentioned earlier by you. I just want to re-mention and give credit to Governor Brown who has apparently engineered a detente between 13 timber groups and 13 environmental groups to proceed with a rewrite of the Forest Practices Act, which is going to keep off the ballot competing initiatives about spraying, etc. And if she pulls that one off, let me tell you that will be a big one.
0: Well, Pop, we did it again. want to say thanks, to everybody, for listening. Thanks to Morel, Inc., where you can ink on anything and mail anywhere. We couldn't do it without our sponsors. We couldn't do it without you, our X-Ray listeners and our X-Ray members and supporters. We appreciate you.
1: And we'll be back on Monday. Love you, Pop. Love you, too.